We are in Genesis chapter 3. We, we covered marriage last week in, the, in, in Genesis chapter 2. And uh, uh, now we're in Genesis chapter 3. And we're going to start reading from verse 1. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said, You shall not eat from any tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat from it or touch it, or you will die. The serpent said to the woman, You surely will not die. For God knows that in the day that you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And the woman, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate and she gave also to her husband with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. So, it talks about, in, in Genesis chapter 3, it talks about the fall. This is not strictly allegorical. This is the Word of God. And we know that also because it's spoken about and referenced many times in the New Testament. And it's not spoken about as if it is an allegory. It is spoken about as if it is a real incident. So we have New Testament confirmation that this is the Word of God. This is what's reflected here. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. Now this serpent was not slithering around on his belly because the slithering around on the belly of the serpent came as a result of the of, of what the serpent did at the end of this chapter. So at this point, this serpent was probably erect. And we call it a serpent because of what it ultimately is reflected upon after, after the, the, the fall where God has, has, has said, on your belly you shall go. But for right now, he's probably erect. And he comes and he speaks to the woman, it says, first of all, he was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. He was really crafty. Now, I want to tell you a story to begin to set this up because I think I, it puts it in context. I started working in a gas station when I was 14 years old. It was a, there were two gas stations, one on each side of the highway, and it was just outside of New York City. And I started working in these gas stations. They were owned by the same man, owned both gas stations on on either side of the road. Sometimes I'd work one side, sometimes I'd work the other side. And there was a highway in between them, north and southbound highway. And, and uh, um, the, the manager knew that I was 14, but he hired me anyway. He wasn't supposed to hire me until I was 16. The owner didn't know. He told me, just tell the owner you're 16. So I told the owner I'm 16. And, and, uh, but I didn't see the owner much. It was, usually, it was managed by another man. And I learned things very quickly at the age of 14, working in this gas station on the highway. I learned a lot of things from the people that worked there, a lot of things that I wish I had never learned, and I learned a lot of things from the customers that came through. 
Now, there was a man once that came through, and we, we, we had, uh, uh, this was in the days where people did not pump their own gas. They'd pull in, and, and we were going just very, very rapid work because there were lots of cars coming in. You had to, to see what they wanted and start their gas and start the thing going. And we didn't want people pumping their own gas because in those days, they could reset it and bring it to zero before you even knew it. And, and, and people would try that. And so we'd say, no, sir, don't touch it. We, we'll be there to, to, to give you your gas in a minute. And there were days sometimes where somebody wouldn't show up to work. So many times I was alone at the age of 14 running this gas station. And I would work... I would work uh, Fridays 3 to 11, so I'd get home from school, I'd, I'd go right down there, Fridays 3 to 11, that, that eight-hour shift, and then I'd work Saturdays from 7 a.m. to 11 p.m., and uh, a double shift, a 16-hour shift, then I'd work Sundays, remember, I didn't grow up in the church, and I'd work Sundays from 7 a.m. to 3 p.m., and, and so I'd work another eight hours on Sunday, so I would work four hours uh, four, four shifts over the weekend, and then Sunday nights I would study and do my homework, and, that, and, and that's what I would do. Well, here I was, 14 years old, and we would carry a, a wad of cash because most of the transactions were cash. There was credit card usage where you'd put it and run it through, but it was rare. Most of the, the dealings were in cash, and we had a, a pocket full of change and a, and a wad of cash, and then it, when you could get a break, you could take like $200 worth, put it in an envelope, and drop it in a slot in a safe. But very often, you were very busy, and you just had this wad of cash in your pocket, and you'd you know, be doing change and things like that. And I made $2.10 an hour was my pay. And uh, so, so I could make, after taxes, $18.00 in an eight-hour shift, $18 and some change. And a man came in one day, he said he wanted change. And so he, he gave me a 20, he said he'd like change. So I pull out this wad of cash, and he's holding the 20, and so I, he hands me the 20, and so I'm, I'm getting him the change, he told me what he wanted, and then he says, no, no, do it this way. And so I, I start changing it, and I didn't realize what was going on. He had this 20, and he had some other bills in his hand. And he was slowly putting money in his pocket as I was counting out change, trying to change it. And I, and I realized after he had turned around and walked away and gone, I, that he had taken $10 more than he should have gotten. He had just totally confused me. This guy was a professional. I was just 14 years old. This guy was a professional. He knew I had this wad of cash in my hands. Now, days were different back then. In all the years that I worked there, I worked there... Uh, uh, Till I was 17, I never, nobody ever pulled a gun. You know, you had wads of cash. There were never any armed robberies or anything. So days were different then, even in New York City. And, uh, um, but he was a professional. And so I was out $10. So for me, that was, that was five hours worth of work. I had to pay for that. That came out of my pocket. That was five hours worth of work. This guy was really crafty. You, you say, well, you know, that would never happen to you. That's great. It wouldn't have, it happened to me. And I saw it, and I learned very quickly how to count out change when people want to change like that. That I would, I would say, I would take that 20, I'd say, what, how do you want it? They would tell me, and I would turn my back to them, and I would count, and I'd hand them the change. You know, that's how I learned how to do it. But I learned from that guy what not to do. Very crafty guy. This guy was a professional. He knew exactly what he was doing. And, I, and to this day, I remember what the guy looks like. <laughs> I do. 
It says, now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. In chapter 2, it says, God made all these beasts of the field. He made all these beasts of the field and that, it, and that he brought them to, to Adam to see if any of them would be a suitable helpmate for him. And Adam, you know, named them all and none of them was a suitable helpmate. And then he, he makes woman and, and, and we talked about that last time and that was suitable. But here now we have this crafty beast, which we learn about later in the Bible is indeed Satan came and he says to the woman, he said to the woman, indeed, has God said, you shall not eat from any tree of the garden. Now, remember, this guy is really slick and this woman, you know, she's never, we, we never see this woman speaking before in the end of chapter, chapter two Adam speaks and he says, whoa, you know, this woman, she's just, and, and so he says, you're going to be called woman and, and, uh, but we never hear her speak, nor do we see Adam speak to her. The only person that we know of that she ever may have spoken to was Adam. And Adam is composing poetry at the end of chapter two. So he's, he's a full man. He's not a little baby. That's how God created him. He creates this woman, Eve, and Satan the serpent comes and he starts speaking to Eve. Why Eve? Well, maybe because Adam chose this woman over him, maybe. We don't know. But, but he went to the, to the one that was precious to Adam. And he starts talking to her and he says, Indeed, God, indeed, has God said you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? This is totally convoluted. This is the first question in the Bible. The first question you see in the Bible is this. It comes from the serpent. He says to the woman, Indeed, has God said, You shall not eat from any tree of the garden? Now, in chapter 2, it says that, that uh, uh, in verse 9, it says, Out of the ground the Lord God caused to grow every tree that is pleasing to the sight and good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So he had a bunch of trees that were there for food in the midst of the garden, meaning that in the middle of the garden, there was a tree of life. And then also somewhere there was a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then he instructed Adam down in verse 16 of Genesis chapter two, the Lord God commanded the man saying from any tree of the garden, you may eat freely. But from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat from it, you will surely die. That's what God said. He said, you could have any tree of the garden, any one of them. There is an abundance with God, abundance. He says, you can have from any tree of this garden, except that one. If you take of that one, you're going to die. So just remember, you have this huge, huge garden that, that covers in a huge area, Filled with trees, good for food. All the trees there are good for food, but one of them, God said, don't eat from it. And we want to focus on that one, but God would rather we focus on all the many that we can eat. So God gives enormous freedom, but somehow people have a way of convoluting this and saying, well, because he doesn't give us total freedom, he does not give us freedom. You see, he gives us enormous freedom, but not total freedom. He says, don't eat of that one. And we will view that as, 
Well, if we don't have total freedom, we have no freedom. No, God gives us enormous freedom. So he comes and he says, has God said you shall not eat of any tree of the garden? You see, he puts it in a negative. You shall not eat from any tree of the garden. But that's so mixed up because God said you can eat of any tree of the garden except one. So he, he says, has God said you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? He puts the whole thing in a negative sense. The enemy comes. And remember, the enemy's crafty. He's like that guy that'll walk up to a 14-year-old and steal more than half a day's wage from him in a second, just like that. That's who he's like. You can't, you can't outsmart these guys. They are trained in this. They're trained in this. The only thing you can do is turn your back on them. Have nothing to do with them in this, in this stuff that they're doing. That's the only thing you can do. He's already beginning to mess around with her mind. You shall not eat from any tree of the garden. Has God said? Indeed, has God said? You shall not eat from any tree of the garden. And now you're getting it her life. You know, he brings in questions of her life. She knows she needs food to survive. And this is what happens where the enemy will drop in and take this very benevolent God who offers us so much and then cast him in a light to us as if, you know, God doesn't really care about you. He cares about he doesn't care about you. You know, you're really no good. He doesn't really love you. Does, does he really... Have you ever heard God say that he loves you? Well, not particularly through an audible voice, but okay then. So God doesn't really love you, does he? And before you know it, you're all mixed up. Before I knew it, I didn't know where I was with the, with the money. He was saying, oh, yeah, yeah, no, no, give me the five. No, no, I'll, I'll take the five. And, and I saw his hand going back and forth to his pocket so quickly. This is what he's doing. He's playing with these words with her. You shall not eat from any tree of the garden. And then the woman goes to clarify it. And so if somebody asks me, you know, where is, where is something? You, you know, ask me, where's the, you know, say, where's the restroom? Down the hall. Okay. You ask Shireen, where's the restroom? Oh, let me show you. And they walk in there and they... I mean, women want to help people so much. Maybe that's why he went to eat. Because women just want to, you know, clarify and help this person and all of this stuff. And I just say, do that. And that's it. You know, people want to sit down and talk with me. I say, we don't have to sit down. I just tell you what to do. There's Just do this, you'll be all right. Shereen wants to invite you over for dinner and have tea and just sit and talk to Dr. Tour. So why'd you invite them over? I didn't have to have dinner with them. I, did just, I could have told them what to do in one second. So he goes to the woman. The woman wants to clarify this. The woman said to the serpent, from the fruit of the trees of the garden, we may eat. But from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. Now, remember, he told Adam, the man, the woman wasn't even yet created. He told this to Adam. So what she has is a second-hand instruction. Maybe God told her too. We don't know. Maybe she learned it from Adam. 
but she didn't learn it at the same time that Adam learned it from the Lord. And she gets the trees a little mixed up. She says, from the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the tree, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, remember the, tr- the tree that's in the middle of the garden is the tree of life. So she's, she's already beginning to, to mix things up. He's already got her, you know, exchanging bills here. She's already a little bit confused. He's a professional. He knows what he's doing. We're just 14 years old with a big wad of cash. He's the professional. From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. Now this or touch it is new. God never told that to Adam. He never said you can't touch it. He said you can't eat from it. The day you eat from it, you die. And the fall didn't come from Adam touching it or from Eve touching it. It came from their eating it. Now, maybe maybe Adam had said to her, don't even, don't even touch it. Don't even go near it. And this is a common thing. In Judaism, it's a very common thing to take the 613 laws of Moses. This is not one of the laws of Moses. This is pre-law. The, law, the Mosaic law comes starting in Exodus. You start getting the Mosaic law through Deuteronomy, the 613 commandments. And what Jews have done is they've added around each of those commandments lots and lots of other laws to keep you from getting close to violating any one of those laws. So around the Sabbath day, for example, which is from Friday sundown to Saturday sundown, there's over 1,000 commandments in Judaism. And that's why Jesus said, look, you know, you're, the, word of, the, the words of men have made the word of God of no effect. You can't even remember the commandment anymore because you've got so many rules around it. So, you may say it's kind of nice to put all these rules around it so you don't even get close, but what happens is she found that she could touch the fruit and she didn't die. Nothing dramatic happened. So, when you touch one of these rules that isn't quite the rule, and you don't die, or nothing bad happens, you think, well, I, I violated this, what's wrong with just violating the rule too? So that's one of the dangers of putting lots of rules around something. But in any case, she said, you shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. And it says, the serpent said to the woman, you surely will not die. For God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened. And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So the serpent comes You surely will not die. For sure. I don't know where you stand, and I don't know, want to know where you stand on President Trump. But, when he speaks, to me, I understand the guy. I understand the guy because he's from New York. When I was growing up in New York as a kid, Donald Trump was there. He was already a developer because he's, he's several years older than me. And, and I knew of him. Everybody knew him in New York. I mean, the guy, the guy could, he was developing all sorts of buildings. It, tough to build in New York. Really tough. You, if you want to, if you want to remodel your bathroom in New York, you got, you got to talk with a hundred different people. You got to arrange with, with the doorman. You got to arrange with the elevator guy. You got to arrange with the police that the trucks can pull up in front and you paint off everybody. I mean, you, you can't remodel anything. This guy's building a whole building. It's tough to do that. 
But when he speaks, he speaks like a New Yorker. I understand the guy. My kids gave me a, a cup for Father's Day, and it's got Donald Trump on the cup, and it says, you're the greatest dad. You are the greatest, the best. Everyone agrees. <laughs> Now, I understand that. That's typical New York talk. So when she hears Donald Trump speak, she says, he sounds like you. That's what she tells me. And I know what she's talking about. Because I'll go to do something, and she says, are you sure you can do that? I said, well, I can do it. Who knows if I don't know? I mean, this is New York talk. Who knows if I don't know? I got a friend. He's on 33rd Street. He helped you. You know, we understand this sort of, this is what the guy's doing. For sure you're not going to die. It's going to be all right. I know all that already. You know, this is, this is New York talk. This is exactly what the serpent is doing. You surely will not die. This is just this naive woman. All of a sudden, this creature, she, we don't know exactly what he looked like, but he's speaking to her, and she's having a dialogue with him. And Adam actually happens to be with her. Because it says, it says uh, um, at the end of verse 6, just before verse 7, She gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. So he's standing there, and she's having this conversation with this guy. And he says, surely you will not die. What does he do? This is, he is coming, and he is speaking to her, and he is convincing her that what God said is wrong. The instruction of God is wrong. And this is exactly what the enemy does. He tries to instruct us and to convince us that God is wrong. God isn't entirely right. And in fact, the, you could say that Satan didn't tell a complete lie here. Because the day she ate it, she did not physically die. She died spiritually that day. So, it's kind of a half-truth. And then he said, you surely will not die. For God knows that in the day that you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And in that, he wasn't totally telling a lie either. Because if, if you look down in, in the end of the chapter, in verse 22, it says, Then God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. So, so there, was, there was some truth in his statement. These half-truths are, you know, really deadly. Well, who is this that's talking to her? He says, he says, for God knows, God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. For God knows. In other words, God's keeping a secret from you. God, God's keeping something from you. He's making God look bad. And this is what the enemy does. Are you sure this is going to hurt you? Are you really sure this is going to affect your life? Look, look, at, look at who Satan is and, and what, he, what, what he talks about. In Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 through 14, 14, it talks about the fall of Satan. So Satan has already fallen. Remember we talked about that in Genesis chapter 1. The fall of Satan has already occurred. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, we, 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 we talked about that. 
But Isaiah talks about this in Genesis, in Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12. How you have fallen from heaven, O star of the morning, son of the dawn. You have been cut down to earth. You who have been, you who have weakened the nations. But you said in your heart, now listen to what Satan said in his heart. Watch this. I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of the assembly in the recesses of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. Five times he says, I will do this. Boom! God hit him. And he fell. And he went down. Five times he said this. And this was his fall. He is trying to get her to do exactly what brought him down. Exactly what brought him down. You have a friend try to introduce you into the use of drugs. They will do this all the time. Look, I've taken this. It's not going to hurt you. It's really okay. Just try this ecstasy. You're going you're gonna to like... Look, it's all right. I know what I'm talking about. It's going to be all right. I know all that already. It's going to be all right. We're friends, right? We're friends. Yeah, yeah, we're friends. Look, this is not going to hurt you. They want you to do what they do. Very common. When somebody has done wrong, they want you to do the same wrong. The same wrong. The guy will always say to the girl, it's going to be all right. Let's just do this. It's going to be all right. I love you, and you love me, right? This is what men and women do who love each other. It's going to be all right. I don't know. No, look, it's going to be all right. Very, very common. This is the way the enemy works. You're not going to die. It's not going to hurt you. Look, this is not going to hurt you. It's going to be all right. Exactly what the enemy says. Surely you will not die. And they try to make you feel as if you're, you're without the, the very thing. You're without the very thing that God is trying to keep something from you. That there's something that He's trying to keep from you. This is what, what, what they're talking about. If we look over in, uh, in, look over in, in, uh, Proverbs, the book of Proverbs, um, look at Proverbs chapter 7. Proverbs chapter 7. And we're going to we're going to start reading uh, we're going to start reading at verse 7. Proverbs chapter 7 verse 7. Now this is talking about a young man falling into real troubles. This could just as well be a young lady falling into troubles. Proverbs chapter 7, verse 7. And I saw among the naive and I discerned among the youths a young man lacking sense, passing through the street corner, passing through the street near her corner, and he takes the way to her house. The man's mistake was he went near her house. He knew exactly where her house was. He went through the street. He just was going to go near her house. He wasn't going to stop in. He was just going to go near her house. You start getting close to sin, it'll draw you in. You start looking at pornography, it will draw you in. And before you know it, it will have you, 
And it will go right into your marriage. You say, well, when I'm married, then I don't need it. Because I got... No, you'll bring it right into your marriage. And then it will destroy your marriage. You mess around with this stuff, it will destroy you. And the enemy says, you know, this is a victimless crime. Come on, this is no, no, really doesn't hurt anybody. It's all right. You surely will not get hurt. It's all right. This young man was lacking, says he just even went near her house. He never should have been there. And then it says, verse 9 of Proverbs 7, in, in the twilight, in the evening, in the middle of the night, and in the darkness. And behold, a woman comes to meet him, dressed as a harlot and cunning of heart. Well, what do you think? You went right by her house. You know, you, you go knock on her door, she's going to happen to be there, you know? And she's cunning of heart. She's boisterous and rebellious. Her feet do not remain at home. She is now in the streets, now in the squares, and she lurks on every corner. All right, so she is a boisterous, rebellious woman. But she can kind of hide that. Because it says, So she seizes him and kisses him, in verse 13. And with brazen face she says to him, I was due to offer peace offerings today. Today, I was due to offer peace offerings. Today, I have paid my vows. All right, so here's this boisterous and rebellious woman. She kisses him and she says to him, I was due to offer peace offerings. Today I have paid my vows. All of a sudden she's become religious. Oh, it's okay, she's a Christian. She's a Christian. It's all right. But this guy, he's a Christian. Well, how do, you, how do you know he's a Christian? Well, he told me. Oh, that's pleasant. He told you he's a Christian. That's nice. She She's boisterous and rebellious, but she acts like she's, you know, a very faithful woman. She kisses him. She kisses him. I mean, you know, you kiss a guy, he's going to be like, whoa, she thinks I'm really something. She's got to be pretty good, you know. She thinks, thinks I'm really something, you know. She says today, therefore, in verse 15, therefore, I've come out to meet you, to seek your presence earnestly, and I have found you. Wow. She was looking for me. Wow. She's, uh, she's got good taste. Every other woman has just never been interested in me, but this woman's all of a sudden interested in me. I've spread my couch with coverings, with colored linens of Egypt. I've sprinkled my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us drink our fill of love until morning. Let us delight ourselves with caresses. I mean, she starts doing sexual talk with him, and he melts. He melts. Verse 19, For my husband is not at home. He's gone on a long journey. He's taking a bag of money with him. At full moon, you'll come home. In other words, nobody's going to find us. Nobody. We'll be all right. Nobody's going to know about this. I love you. You love me. This is what people who love each other do. And nobody's going to know about this. Nobody. Until tomorrow morning when I go back with my buddies and I tell them how I scored. But until then, nobody's going to know about this. Verse 21, with her many persuasions, she entices him. With her flattering lips, she seduces him. 
flattering lips. You're really pretty. I, I find you really attractive. I find you really pretty. Oh, you're a handsome guy. I mean, you, if a girl says to a guy, you're handsome. Even if a girl says to a guy, you're funny. I mean, the guy, he will be thinking about that for the next one week. He'll start thinking he's really funny. <laughs> Just because she said that. I mean, it's amazing the, what happens. Suddenly, he follows her as an ox goes to the slaughter or as one in fetters to the discipline of a fool until an arrow pierces through his liver as a bird hastens to the snare so he does not know that it will cost him his life. It will cost him his life. He is about to lose his life. When people try to entice us into sin, we do not realize, but it can cost us our life. You start going down these paths. It will cost your marriage. It will cost your life. It will cost your relationship with your children. You go ahead and sleep around. You watch. Your children will sleep around. Because whatever a man sows, that he shall also reap. You take advantage of another person's daughter. People will take advantage of your daughter. Whatever a man sows, that he shall also reap. Do not be deceived, the Bible says. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that he shall also reap. You take advantage of another person's child, someone will take advantage of your child. Destroy your family. Disobey the things of God. Think that God, who is generous, who offers us everything, but says, don't go there. That somehow he's mean. God is gracious. He is kind. He has for us a way that is right. Verse 24 of Proverbs 7, Now therefore, my son, listen to me and pay attention to the words of my mouth. Do not let your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray to her paths. Stay away from that person. Stay, don't even go out with them. You think, well, we'll just go out and it, it'll be all right. Don't even go out with them. I had to deal with customers that wanted change. I turn my back on them. And I get their change and give it to them. Don't even mess around with them. Don't go near them. Because they'll draw you in. It says, do not let your heart turn aside to her ways. Don't even think about her. If you keep dwelling on that person, you keep dwelling on that guy, well, he's so handsome. He won't be handsome forever. Do not stray into her paths, for many are the victims she has cast down, and numerous are all her slain. Her house is the way to Sheol, descending to the chambers of death. <clears throat> We're going to close with this, with this last verse. I want you to turn to James chapter 4, verse 7. James chapter 4, verse 7. Submit therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. James chapter 4 verse 7. Submit therefore to God. The first way to deal with the devil is to not resist. Resisting is not the first way you deal with the devil. The first way you, you deal with the devil is you submit therefore to God. You submit to the commandments that are written. You submit to what the word of God says. That is the best way. The first way to deal with the devil. And then, when you're submitted to the commandments of God, all of a sudden you are under the umbrella of God. And then you can resist the devil. And you know what happens when he resists? 
He turns and he walks away. No, he doesn't turn and walk away. It says he flees from you. He flees from you. When you're submitted to God, and in that submission you resist the devil. It says the devil is like, he's running away. He flees from you. It starts with submitting to God. Submitting to God. You submit to the Word of God, what it says, to do what it says, so that when the enemy comes and says, you'll be all right. It's all right. Don't worry about it. It's all right. See, no, no. My God, who is always good, He is by nature good. He can do no wrong. He has said, don't touch that. He has said not to do that. Have nothing to do with that person. Turn your back on them. Don't go near the the path. Stay away from it. Because you don't realize now. But it will cost you your very life. It will cost you your life. This is what we learn from this passage. God instructs us. You submit to God. Then you resist the devil. And then he flees. Let's pray. Abba, Father, thank you so much for the Word of God, which warns us. Father, thank you for your Word, which says, I give you all of this. Just don't go here. Just don't eat of that tree. Father, I pray for these young people here who know you, that they would take hold of your Word and not even stray into the path of evil. Father, I pray that you protect them. The covering of the blood of Jesus Christ be over these young people's lives, I pray. To protect them from the evil one who is a deceiver by nature. Who is quick-minded and a quick talker. Father, I pray that you protect them and that they learn to submit to your word and thereby resist the devil and see him flee. Father, for those here who do not know you, Lord, the Bible says that they are slaves of sin, unable to free themselves from the power of sin. Father, I pray that this very day that they would say, Lord, forgive me because I am a sinner and come into my life. Father, that they would look over their lives and see and see that they have been unable to protect themselves and how they need the hand of God. Father, please save the sinners. Save those who do not know you. Lord, I pray that this day they would say, Lord, forgive me. I believe in Jesus the Son of God who gave himself for me. Father, your mercies and your grace abound. Father, I commit these young people to you. In the name of Jesus. Amen.